Dear friends in Jesus Christ, as we begin this season of Lent 2024, we focus on God's call to repent. What does that include, to repent? That means to admit our sins. How do we know what sin is? We have to look into the Bible. The Bible tells us what is right, and upon looking in the Bible, then we can see where we are wrong. So to admit our sins, to have godly sorrow for our sins, to look to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, and then to go and sin no more. That is true repentance. Coming to our readings today, our first reading is in Joel chapter 2. A little bit of background here before we jump into the reading. So Joel chapter 2, we're talking about 2,000 800 years ago. So the northern kingdom of Israel, they were living in grave sin. So what did the Lord do? He sent Joel to them to tell the people about the coming devastation and to call the people to earnestly repent. When we think about his ancient message, that was a call to the people at that time That was a call to people like us today, and the call is really for all people everywhere. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus told that to his own disciples, so he wants us to know that is for us as well. Going to our reading here, we pick up in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. In the reading there, we had the phrase, rend your heart and not your garments. People are pretty good today, I think, about rending their garments. In other words, having some kind of a show on the outside. What is this talking about, rend your heart? In other words, God is calling for deep sorrow, deep within our hearts. Maybe we could say a sorrow that would be like tearing our hearts. If you can imagine like a very tragic thing happening to you or within your family, and it would be like this heart-wrenching thing. That's what it's talking about here, about this idea of rending your heart. So when we have a heart that is torn, That is a heart that is truly looking to Jesus for forgiveness, and that's a heart who is looking to the Holy Spirit so that we can have the power and we can have the guidance to live a new life. 
May God grant such things to us all. Continuing in the reading, we pick up in verse 15. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast. What does that mean? In other words, Joel is saying to the people, call the people to abstain from work, to abstain from food, to abstain from sexual relations. In other words, get out of your normal routine. This call to repentance is a really serious thing. Then it goes on to say, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants, let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber. So with this call to repentance, we might say, who is included? And the answer is everyone. No one is left out here. So from the old to the infants to everyone in between, did you notice even the newlyweds? Let's say people just got married that day. They're all excited about their honeymoon. Joel is saying this is such a serious matter, even for the newlyweds, Put off your honeymoon in order to assemble with the rest of the people, fast, and repent. I would ask you today, even as I ask myself, how is the Holy Spirit calling you to repent? Is there something going on in your life that just isn't right? It's not in line with the Word of God. Probably all of us have something, and probably all of us have many things. Let's be open. Let's listen. Let's pay attention. And as the Holy Spirit moves us, let us repent. Going to verse 17. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? So Joel is calling for the Lord's spiritual leaders to understand the horror of the promised judgment. Now, I didn't read that section. If you read Joel chapter 1 and you read the first part of chapter 2, you're going to find out about the horror of the judgment that God was promising to bring upon the northern kingdom. So these spiritual leaders are called to understand the horror of that judgment and then to call out to the Lord on behalf of the people and to do so in such a sincere way that their crying out is accompanied with tears. Now that was in the Old Testament time. What about today? Do we know other people who are living in sin? Is our nation in great trouble? We can think of a lot of places where repentance is needed, but that's not just for me to cry out to the Lord. All believers are part of what the Bible calls the priesthood of all believers. That means God is calling all of us to call out to him on behalf of all sinners. May God help us to spend some time thinking about such things and then doing that calling out to the Lord. 
And then finally, picking up in verse 18, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. Notice in that section, it begins with the word then. So the Lord so much wants to bring these blessings upon us, upon our nation, even as he wanted to do so with the Northern Kingdom many years ago. We don't know exactly when Joel wrote, but he possibly wrote about a hundred years before the fall of the Northern Kingdom. So he was calling them to repent, to get serious, to change. But the Lord is very slow to take action, so it wasn't until about a hundred years later that he finally said, enough is enough, they're never going to repent, I'm going to wipe out the nation. And he did. The Lord wants us to know that he does act in a very slow way. What is America thinking today? America is thinking, oh, yes, we know we're sinful. We know that we have all kinds of gender problems. We know that we murder babies every day, thousands of babies every day. We know that most of the churches aren't even teaching the Bible any longer. However, though, God has not destroyed us. The stock market is up. Most people are employed. People have health care. Hey, things seem okay. So the Lord must be okay with what we're doing as a nation. See, that's what people thought a long time ago. Oh, the Lord hasn't brought judgment upon us, so he must be okay with what we're doing. That's not the case. Instead, he is so slow to act. He's giving us this great opportunity to repent. Let's not miss this opportunity. What the Lord is saying here, if people would only have godly sorrow, if they would only trust in me, those would be great things. Then he would give the blessings. May God help us to remain in those categories, to always have that godly sorrow, to always have that trust in the Lord. Let's continue with our hymn. We come now to our gospel reading today. We are in Matthew chapter 6, so what does that mean? We are right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. That is when Jesus shared this important information that I'm about to share with you. May God help us to understand it. May God help us to make proper application in our lives. First of all, we come to the topic of giving to the poor. How should we go about that? Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. What does that mean, practicing your righteousness? That would be our practice of doing what is right. He's saying, be careful in doing it for the reason of being noticed by other people. Otherwise, Jesus said, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites 
do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So he spoke there about the hypocrites. A hypocrite is an actor. So an actor is showing one reality on the outside, but yet there's another reality on the inside. Jesus is saying, do not be that way. Now he tells us how to function, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When we are doing right, and we could say here that giving to the poor, that would be just one of many examples of doing what is right. So when doing what is right, let us do it first of all with thanksgiving. When giving to the poor, let's do so with thanksgiving. Why should we do that? Because God has blessed us with an abundance. God has given us the ability to be able to give to the poor. So we should be very thankful for the abundance God has given us. And then let us also do it, though, in secret. That would mean keeping it secret from others. And even in a way, now this is a tricky thing, even in a way, keeping it a secret from ourselves. Well, how can we keep it a secret from ourselves? How can we do it in such a way that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing? Well, one way to do that is to do it and then forget about it. We're not like keeping a list. Oh, I did this good thing and this good thing and this good thing. Don't keep a written list. Don't even keep a mental list. Do it and forget about it. That's what God is saying to us here. When we help people who cannot repay us, those are the kind of people to help. When people are like exchanging gifts, that's not helping the poor. That's simply, you know, having an arrangement with family or friends. But when we help people who cannot repay us, and when we do it in secret, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying when we do those two things, our Father in heaven will reward us. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but I bet, though, that our Father in heaven could give us a pretty nice reward. And then we come to the topic of praying. Jesus said, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, like the actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now that statement is gonna come up over and over again here about how they have their reward in full. So like with giving to the poor, if I do it and people know that I have done it, them knowing is my reward. Right here with praying, Jesus is saying, if you're praying out in public for the purpose of people seeing you praying, Jesus is saying, hey, you just got your reward. People saw you doing it. That's your reward. So he says it in a number of different ways here. But now he tells us what we should do. 
But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So first of all, we should never pray for the purpose of being seen by others. Instead, let's have this attitude. Let us gladly talk to God. I mean, isn't this like an unbelievable privilege that we have, that here we are, weak, sinful human beings, and yet we can talk to the Almighty God through Jesus. That's an awesome thing. Let's be glad about that. Let's be thankful for that. Let's take advantage of that. And then when we do that, let's pour our hearts out to God. He wants us to do that. And let us do so in secret. Then let us be confident that through Jesus, God has heard us. Let us also know he will answer us, but then this is the tricky part. He will answer us not when we want him to answer us, but when he knows it's best, and he will not necessarily answer us how we want him to answer us, but he will answer according to what is best. So may the Lord help us to accept what these answers are that come from the Lord. And then we jump ahead to verse 16, and we come to the topic of fasting. Jesus said, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. What's that telling us? In other words, it's saying, hey, you're fasting, but on the outside, get cleaned up, get looking good, so that people can't see what's going on on the inside. Jesus said, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So on the outside, we should be looking fine, though we are hungry. Maybe our stomach is raging with hunger, but yet we have a smile on our face, we have our hair combed, we have on decent clothes, and everything looks great on the outside. And then on the inside, though, when we feel the hunger pains, does that mean to run to the refrigerator? It doesn't mean that. It means rather focus on Jesus. Remember what he gave up for us. Did he give up a hamburger or a piece of cake? He didn't. He gave up his very life. So when we have it in perspective, understanding what he gave up for us, then, yes, our hunger might not be pleasant, but when we use our hunger to focus on Jesus, on who he is, and what he has done for us, that's going to be a good thing. Then we have one final section here. We come to the topic of treasures, picking up in verse 19. Jesus said, 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What should we come away from that passage with? Hopefully, we come away from that passage valuing the things of eternity much more than the things of this world. The things of this world, if we could only like step back and have an eternal view, we would see that we have them for such a short time and they are so insignificant in comparison to eternity. May God help us to see that. And then let's understand that when we are treasuring the things of eternity, what does that mean? That means that all those things, they are safe and they are secure with our Father in heaven. We don't have to worry about thieves. We don't have to worry about fraud. We don't have to worry about all the problems we have today. Let's take those things of eternal significance. Let's treasure them the most and let us know that they are safe and secure with our Father in heaven. I wanna conclude in this way today I want to remind you about the Holy Week journey. Regarding the booklet, I hope all of you have a copy of the booklet like this. So we did give them out on Saturday and Sunday, and they are available today. So if you don't have one already, you can pick one up on the table in the narthex. They're also available online for people. Like if you know someone who lives in another state, you can simply tell them to go on our website. They can open up the booklet and they can print it. Now, if they print it out online, it's not going to be in a booklet form. It's going to be on a regular eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, but it's an easy way that they could print it off and they could make use of it even far away. Over the next 40 days, the readings in the booklet are going to become the basis for 14 sermons. So the reason why I didn't start those sermons today is the idea is that you're going to start reading the booklet today so you're going to read the first couple days, and then come Saturday, I'm going to be preaching on days one and two in the booklet. Basically, the way it works out, for the most part, is you're reading in the booklet a little bit before those sections are preached on. The other thing I wanted to mention here is that normally, now everything in here happens during Holy Week. Holy Week is a short period of time. Normally what we're trying to do is we're trying to deal with like a little bit of that information during Holy Week. So much of it we can't even deal with. There's so much there. This is a way by stretching it out over the entire season of Lent, this is a way to be able to take a look at readings in the Bible that we've never preached through before in the decades I've been here. So I'm looking forward to it, but I want to let you know it'll be a little bit unusual too. And I say that in part because this coming Saturday and Sunday, we are focusing on Palm Sunday. So isn't that odd? Wait a minute. Lent just began and now Palm Sunday. Well, Palm Sunday, that's the beginning of Holy Week. 
So don't find it unusual when you're doing those kinds of readings. So we'll be able to look at the beginning of Holy Week and then work our way right on through. Probably for a couple weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, we are doing the readings just for Good Friday. Probably for three weeks, we're doing the readings, all of what Jesus taught just on Tuesday of Holy Week. There's so much there. So this is a way to be able to stretch it out and be able to benefit from this very important time. Maybe we could say with Holy Week, we could say it is the most horrible week in all of history. And at the same time, it is the most wonderful week in all of history. Why is it horrible? Because the Son of God went through all of this. Why is it wonderful? Because by him going through all of this, now we have through him the gift of eternal life. God bless you in your reading, and I hope you're able to join us for the 14 sermons that are coming up. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, you know every heart, so help us to always be sincere in our godly sorrow, true in our trust in Jesus, secretive in our giving, private in our praying, Jesus-focused in our fasting, and eternity-focused with our treasures. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.